Hey everyone, this is Andrew with Leave Your Shoes By The Door, and I could talk to this guy for hours. His name is Tyler Hankins. Tyler, thank you for being on here. Hey, it's a pleasure. Now, am I literally supposed to leave my shoes by the door? Yes, or? you are. That is the all name right. of the podcast, but it's also the only rule of the That's it. All right. All right. <laughs> and now, Tyler, um, you're a lot of things, but you're also the only Knicks fan in the state of Indiana, <laughs> uh, which makes you a pretty unique individual. Why do you have this loyalty to... I mean, if you grew up in the 90s, the Knicks were evil. The Knicks were the, the big, bad Knicks. The big city attacking the us Midwestern yeah. folks. The Hicks versus the Knicks playoff. Right. Why? 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 It's, it's honestly the equivalent of being like a huge Patriots fan today. So I think, the, I think it's important, first off, to go back to the time, right? So we're talking mid, mid to late 90s. Yeah, it's called Miller um, time. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. So in those times, if you're an avid basketball fan, which that's the one thing I've always been, is, is a basketball fan, um, and you're watching basketball in the 90s, all you have is the Pacers, you know, league pass isn't around, you're not getting all these nationally televised games on, you know, TNT and all that kind of stuff, right. you know, so, so your options are, are somewhat limited on who you can even watch, like who's, who's available. Knicks and Pacers ran into the ran into each other quite often. Um, I grew up with about about twenty cousins. Um, my mom was one of nine, and we were always together. I was dropped off at an aunt's house at three thirty in the morning, and we spent every day together. About most of the time, seven days a week. Um, so every one of them were Pacer fans. Uh, so being the next two youngest, you know, there's always a little bit of that rebellion in you, I suppose. And if everybody else is rooting for the Pacers, you know, it's easy to root for the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, totally, and then, totally. and then that team, you know, in those in those uh, late '90s, early 2000s, like was an easy team to root for. Yeah, they you were know? stacked. You had you had Patrick at the at the tail end of his his run there in New York. Um, Alan Houston was always a favorite of mine. Spreewell, you know, post post coach uh, choking incident. Um, oh, I forgot he did that. Yeah, yeah, old uh, old uh, what, PJ Car- uh, Carlissimo. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, uh-huh. choked him out in Golden State. Uh, <laughs> man, yeah, uh, but those 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 late '90s teams were just a blast. Marcus Camby, uh, you know, they were the Rough Riders. They were Oakley and Mason and. You know, even had uh, even had Charlie Ward. Like the whole the whole squad was just really easy to root for. I mean, full disclosure, my favorite player back then was Penny Hardaway. Um, so I had a little Orlando Magic love in me as well. Penny and Shaq, and mm-hmm. you know, just that team. You know, when Horace Grant came, and yep. you know, they they were they were a joy to watch as well. Never got into the Bulls, so it was always like if you were here. Your options essentially always felt like you were either a Pacer fan or you were a Bulls fan. Like you either rooted for the hometown team or you rooted for the juggernaut. Like it was one of those two. There wasn't a whole lot of mix. Yeah. Um, There's just something about something about that orange and blue, man. Just always. Okay. Well, all right. So I wanted I, two things that I, I want to talk to you about. Is one, I really thought that was interesting when you talked about kind of the genesis of your Knicks fandom. And I think this is one of those things where we kind of like show our age, you know, because when we were kids. <laughs> You just didn't have the exposure of all these teams. It really was. Mm-hmm. You, you, you choose about your home team or... Somebody that they were going to play rival, regularly. Right? Because yeah. that's, that's who you're going to be seeing second most. Yeah. So that's, that's an interesting point. Kids, kids today wouldn't identify no. that at all. That's an interesting... Because now you can get NBA League Pass. You can yeah. watch every team. I mean, I've had... They even have it now where you can just buy one team's broadcast right. package. I've had that for... I mean, I haven't, I haven't missed the Knicks game for the last five years. Sure. Uh, all right, so enough of the past, all right? Enough looking back. We are here to talk about the present and the future. So a big thing, uh, you know, in my investigative journalism, uh, which usually comes down to me looking at your Facebook, um, is this whole aspect of remodeling. And is, is that the proper term, remodeling? Is that what you'd say? Yeah, so trying to focus a lot on the design aspect, Um so we we yeah we technically it's TH Property Group Home Design and 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 remodeling services. So trying to kind of because what I didn't want to fall into is you know mad respect to all the handymen in the world. Right. I mean we we need them, um, 
but that's not really necessarily where my niche is. Um, you know, it's not where my skill set is is best utilized, and and the crew that I have with me are you know they're very they're very good at the fine detail work. Um, so that's where the design aspect really comes in. Is what we do is we help you get the picture of the space. You know, we've got all the software, the design software on the, you know, we draw it up, we give the three, you know, the whole, we give you the Joanna Gaines treatment, you know, the, we sit down, we walk through your space, we give you an idea like this is what we can do here, so, there, and wherever. And let me, so let me jump in. So I come yeah. to TH Property Group and am I, am I wanting to buy or sell or is this just a remodeling project? So do you, do you just do remodeling projects or is it always in the, in the means of getting this thing on the market? Not always, not always, in the, and, and, and there's, you know, some of it. our very first job was actually, uh, I had helped, I'd, I'd helped these people a few times in the past, and they were, uh, they were looking to buy a new house in, in Shelbyville, and, or, or Columbus, or whatever, we'd done a little looking around, but we, we stumbled across a place in Shelbyville in a nice neighborhood called Clearview, um, it's one of the, one of the more sought after neighborhoods in town, and, this house was built in 1990 and hadn't been touched since 1990. I mean, the furnace was as old as I was. Everything else was, you know, the same age. And the space, you could see the layout to a certain extent would work. Um, you know, we did some we did some alterations. You know, we knocked out some bulkheads. We raised things up to give more of a straight line of view. Just kind of took out the obstacles that made the house feel smaller than what it actually was. Um, we completely changed the configuration of the bathroom, that kind of thing. Um, but the roadblock for those buyers at that time when we were first looking at it was just how much needed to be done. Right. And, you know, the the past experiences that they had had. Because with, I'm, I'm assuming while you're looking through this house, it's not just cosmetic. There's probably some rot and there's probably things. A little bit. There was, yeah, and, there was some mold underneath. Uh, the furnace needed to be replaced. Um, a lot of times cosmetic and fundamental can go hand in hand. Sure. Not, not always, but they definitely can. While you're while you're prepping to do the cosmetic stuff while you're in there, you know, you're cleaning everything up. Right. You know? That's always kind of just, that's kind of the way that we operate anyway. Like if we're not going to put all this money and time and effort into doing something, you know, replacing cabinets or, or whatever the case may be, doing a new shower and not, not go ahead and replace the rough end stuff while we're at it. Right. You know, cause the last thing that you're, the last thing you want to do is undo everything that you just did because something stupid like a shutoff starts leaking or or whatever the case may be. So they 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 intermingle more than I think maybe you would traditionally think. Um, but what we do, what we do is a, it is a lot of cosmetic. Like we don't, you know, my company specifically, like we're not doing roofs. Um, don't do it abundance on the exterior. Uh, we can replace a window small here there if it's part of a larger scale project um but i've and this goes beyond even the remodeling thing but you know my time as a realtor and my time designing kitchens for lows and my time on the radio like everything that i've ever done i've always been pretty decent at knowing what is the right fit for me to do and what somebody else can do better sure yep um that's and, right i was gonna bring that up Totally. And I've always yeah. and I've always believed in that and 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 also I, so have you had a project have you had a project where you're you're working on it and you you kind of sat back and said this is just too too big uh, it's too much I, I don't know if it's necessarily like that I mean even just from the jump from the planning stage it's like okay when we get to this part like I'm going to bring so and so in you know and that's one thing that in my time in in this industry has really it's given me so many connections yeah. And different walks of life that now everything can kind of come full circle and at this table everybody can eat you know like we're not I'm not out here to try to monopolize and X out the people that I've worked with for years totally you know and, yeah. and I was I was very clear about that when I even started the whole thing like I called the contractors that I've used in the past before I even came out public that I was gonna start doing this stuff because mm -hmm. what I didn't want them to think was here's this dude come waltzing into our circle and you know i didn't want there to be any misconceptions about what i was trying to do yeah 
the services that we offer is not something that most people are doing in in our neck of the woods. Right. Um, you know, the 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 the, the one-stop shop, the whole thing, the idea that some I can come in, draw up the space, give you the full design breakdown. I handle all product like everything is taken care of for you. I give you options. Uh, you know, well, every time I do something it's broken down and you know, there's three options for flooring, here's three options for tile, here's this, that, the other. So the the customer is still able to feel involved. You know, I'm not making the decisions for them, but it goes back to the menu thing, right? Like you're not walking down Lowe's in the tile aisle and seeing eighty different a things. A million. And you don't know which you know, I don't know what looks you know, whatever. Yeah. You're taking that kind of the anxiety ridden part of it. And I'm breaking that down very simply, like here, and everything's interchangeable. Like when I put these designs together, it doesn't matter which ones of all these you choose, they will all flow together. Right. You know, and if something is very specific, you know, you obviously just let them know right out the gate. Like, if you want to do this, this is really what everything has to revolve around. Yeah. But I want to go back uh, to, so you're a realtor, um, you know, listing and selling and you know, we meet for coffee and this is the type of house I'm, you're, that's, that's where you start. And then to go on to that, that new area of business of remodeling or, or, or whatever, I just think it's such a cool idea that say I'm selling my house, my house was built in 1995 and Tyler's, you know, just taking a quick walk through and he sees a, a, a wobbly door handle or, or a, a cracked light switch, you know, just these very basic home improvements. And it's so nice that as a realtor that you can say, you know what, I got, I, I can fix that no problem. I'll run to Lowe's, I'll fix that, we can move on. It's so nice as a realtor to be able to say that. And it's nice as the client that like, oh man, that's, that's so nice if you right. can do that. That's one less thing that I have to worry about and it's one less thing I have to pay for. Yeah. And, it, and, you, yeah. and you said one-stop shop and that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. And that, I think that's a, a neat kind of new, new way of doing things. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of HGTV style. Because you think a, a realtor would say, right? I mean, "Okay, I see that that's cracked. Here's a card for a guy that you can call to fix right, that." And I'm right, going, right. "Oh man, really? Right, now so now I gotta, I gotta, I gotta talk else. to you, get you out of my house. Then I gotta call this right. guy and do it all over right, again." Right, right. Yeah. Well, and so that is, and it, it kind of goes back a little bit to to the when you go on a venture like this, and you know, I'm not saying this from years of experience, like I'm some guru or whatever. But I do find it, even just in the little bit amount of time that I've been been doing this, is you do kind of have to stay true to your scope. Like there is a certain level of that. Like when you try to, when you try to branch out and become this Mister Fix It for everything and anything, like you can definitely get yourself into more hot water than. There's a reason why we why this is such a networking business. Right. Like there's a reason why the most successful people in our industry are the people who have made the right connections and know how to use those relationships to benefit everybody involved, right? I mean, so even from a client standpoint, if I'm in a if I'm in a listing and you know somebody's got a leaky trap or something like that, like I'm not a plumber. I've never pretended to be a plumber. I don't even play one on TV. Like, I, I'm not a plumber. Um, and I'm not going to get under your sink and act like I know what I'm doing better than somebody that yeah. is a plumber. Totally. So what I've found to be more helpful is ultimately just being able, like, I'll call them for you. Like, I'll handle the whole, I'll handle everything. You just got to open the door for them and let them come in and do their thing. So... And that part, honestly, hasn't really changed all that much from when I started the design side of things versus when I was just a, a realtor, you know, whatever, like doing my thing before for the five, six years or whatever that I've been been in the business now. So, and a lot of that, you know, I feel like at, at each step of the progression along along the way from every job that I've had, something has carried over in, in, a, in some relationship or some connection or some aspect of what I've done in the past, it all carries over. Just another tool in your toolbox. It all carries over. Yeah. And, and, and how you how you use all of that to not only better yourself, but everybody else 
you know, they need business too. I want to make sure that they stay fed. And being able at, at the center of everything, at the center of the universe, and any particular transaction is the client, right? I mean, that's, at the end of the day, they're the ones that are the most important in any of these deals, whether it's just a design thing or whether it's a real estate transaction, no matter what it is, anybody that's going to have enough faith in, in us to put, you know, none of this stuff is cheap, right? No matter what we're doing, yeah. you know, real estate, you know, especially now everybody knows that like house prices are insane. Like none of that is cheap material costs, all the stuff, even from a, from a home improvement standpoint, none of it has ever been inexpensive. And now it's even more so, yeah. you know, I was in Lowe's the other day and you got to pay 35 bucks for a quarter inch sheet of OSB. Like two years ago, that was $7 a sheet, $5 a sheet. You know what I mean? Like, where, I mean, where is this all going, Tyler? It's infl- I mean, where's it going? I, I don't, it's really kind of, I mean, it really is kind of sad in a lot of respects. I mean, I was standing there in the aisle with a guy who's been a contractor. I didn't know him, but we were just sitting there, you know, we were kind of chopping it up and, and whatever. And, you know, he said he'd been in the business, he'd been doing construction for 30 years. And like over the last year, he's had to turn away so much business because he couldn't afford to bid it. Right. You know, like the magic formula from from the old heads, the ones who've been doing this way longer than I have, is, you know, used to be able to make a little bit on, on material. Like it used to be profitable for the contractor to handle the material. Sure. It's not that anymore. Like really... <laughs> They want the the homeowner handling material so that they can they know that they're not gonna because he's like I'm gonna have to pay out of pocket for all this right. like it's all coming out like my my green is dwindling harder and harder and harder yeah. you know and it's just and I think the drastic increase over the last you know year and some change or whatever that has put such incredible strain, you know, it's one thing when you see it gradually, you know, go from seven bucks to eight bucks to nine bucks, you know, what Netflix has been doing for the last 10 years or whatever, you know, you add a dollar to my bill every year. Okay. Like sucks. I wish you wouldn't do that, but I get it, you know, and, and as long as the services continue to be what I need or whatever, then whatever, I'll pay it. Yeah. But, I mean, you're talking a $20, $20 increase in the blink of an eye, and it's hard to explain that to, you know, to just your average homeowner who, you know, they don't go down the lumber aisle for and anything they don't more want to than hear that. an average two-by-four, and yeah, yeah that's, they don't want to hear that. They don't see that as that's their problem. That's right, you, that's yeah, you. that's your problem, yeah. you know, and so the price then has to reflect, and, mm-hmm. it, and it just becomes a trickle-down that is challenging. It's all challenging, you know, the the way the way we have to try to navigate the market for buyers at the moment, you know, from a realtor perspective is insane. I mean, it's it's really complicated. Yeah. Um, and trying to explain to people, you know, I work with a lot of first timers. I always have worked with a lot of first timers. And I it's probably I mean, I enjoy working with first timers like there's a certain level of excitement and gratitude and, you know, just everything, like, uplifting that comes with working with a first-timer, whether they're... It's a major life event, man. I mean, and, it's, and, it, and, it's, and it's from, I mean, the, the range of people who buy their first house is so wide. I mean, it, it's not all 19, 20, 21-year-old kids, you yeah. know? Last year, I sold, uh, I sold a house to a first-time buyer. She was, like... 57, mm-hmm. almost 60 years old, just bought her first house. Like, the emotion that poured out of her at that closing table sticks with you. Totally. You know, it's the kind of thing, and, it, you know, it was not a groundbreaking commission, wasn't all that expensive of a house, like, all that stuff, but none of that matters. Like, mm-hmm. the, the emotional aspect of a deal like that is really rewarding, you know? Totally. It, it really means something. Yeah. And, but trying to explain to a first-time buyer right now the way that they have to go after a place, I mean, there's there's no way to avoid the heartbreak at the moment. Like, 
and and really, I, you're, I mean, when you're sitting down for the very first time with somebody, I mean, you're you're telling them that right out the gate now. Like, I sure. mean, you know, there's no if you're not, then you're not doing them. I mean, you're doing them a disservice. Sure. If you aren't preparing them for the disappointment that's likely to come. Yeah. Because I don't know. I mean, we've had a couple that we've gotten lucky with. But for the most part, you're not one and done, you know, no. you're not, you're not, you're not getting the first place. Yeah. And it's really, you have to pitch each deal now or each, each offer as a learning experience. You see what I'm saying now, right? So that was kind of, you know, that's always kind of the way that goes and, you know, not to be like, and I told you so, but more like you have to kind of realize that what your parents did when they bought 10 years ago or more is not, it's not going to work today. All games change. It's not going to work today. Yeah. Too much has changed. Yeah. And, and getting over that hump. And then, yeah, people that, it, it takes a little bit of the blow out of it at the moment with, with existing, like people who have a house to sell to buy a new because they are able to cash in on on the sell side of things on the listing side of things so it can take a little bit of this thing out of it but getting even getting over that hurdle of i would sell but i don't have anywhere to go you know all of that i mean there's just when i first started you know in 2015 tail end of 2015 you know we were i would set up a saturday with somebody that we would go look at five, six houses, you know, and we'd be able to compare contrast, be able, and then even when you decided which one of those you liked, if you liked any of them, then you start putting together the game plan for negotiations. Like, okay, well, I, you know, I started about here, and then, you know, you always kind of have that middle ground in mind and all of that. <laughs> I miss those days. Sure. You know, like, last year was a great year. The I luxury think for, of choice. Yeah. yeah. You know, and yeah. I think... From a numbers perspective, strictly numbers, last year was the best year I, I know that I had personally as a realtor, realtor, and I know, man. <laughs> You're all right. I then. It's the Shelbyville coming out of me, I guess. But, Something in that third syllable. Yeah, I guess so. It's okay. But, uh, you know, the, the whole idea of it being nothing but the numbers, like, that that's all that matters is... I think kind of short-sighted and am I ungrateful of course not like I'm you know I loved every every dollar that I made last year and I'm appreciative for it and and whatever but the but at what emotional cost right and was it was might... is it really what's best for yeah, exactly. for everybody yeah. you know what I mean and, yeah. and I don't I don't think it's definitely not sustainable and, and everybody knows it's not sustainable like there's no nobody that is even last year, I don't think there was anybody that was kidding themselves that this is just the way that it was going to be. Because mm -hmm. it's not, you know. Yeah. Like, and even that, you know, it all comes... Right now, you know, before we started taping, we talked a little bit about luck and whatever. Like, it always took a little bit of luck. Now it's like, now it's like a scratch-off. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're starting above asking price on everything for the most part. And even that's not good enough way more often than it should be and you know the way that some the way that some buyers have to be coached is hard I think like it's hard to kind of grasp and you got to be a certain kind of person to really feel all that great about it you know and that's not to 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 cast any shade on on any peers like right. you're doing what is best for your yeah. for your folks like you want to get them the house yeah but it, it there's still a certain like <laughs> in your gut yeah, like, yeah 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 man yeah this doesn't feel great you know yeah. like, it doesn't feel great to have to tell a buyer that you know you have to go above may, and beyond on everything like this is I know that you're not completely in love with this house but just the way that it is we got to make a move on it if you want it yeah. you got to act like it. you want it yeah. and you know the way sellers have been able to really really just kind of dodge any kind of responsibility i don't think is good and i i just i sometimes i wonder and i haven't been doing this nearly as long as a lot of a lot of people um 
you know, and I know a lot of people that you've had in here and, and whatever, and I'm I'm probably pretty far down on the totem pole in terms of, like, uh, you know, being being the definitive source on, on market trends and, and that sort of thing. I always just think about it more from the people standpoint, from the relationship standpoint, and when this all does start to kind of turn on its head, how quickly do those conversations change, I guess, you know, from both sides of the table. Yeah. And when you start to go on these listing appointments, when things do start to curb, like, how do those conversations go with the sellers who missed the boat? Yeah. You know, like, how long does it take them then to realize the market of 2020, 2021 is not the market of today? Yeah. You know, so so those are the kind of things that I, I always somewhat try to prep for, at least in my in my brain, like, this isn't going to last forever. Yeah. It can't last forever. Nobody wants it to last forever. Yeah. You know, like even those who are cashing in, like, you know, and I think a lot of the people, a lot of, you know, like the landlords who have dumped their properties and stuff like that. I don't know how many, of the, I, I mean, and I can only speak, you know, obviously primarily from my own, my own market, but yeah. there's not as many of those, you know, I mean, I helped one landlord. We sold, 10 properties over the, from late 2019 through 2020, he doesn't have any left, you know? So how many of those are there? Because mm-hmm. those are the, like, out of everybody, the people who had nothing to buy, had all this stuff to sell, they're, they're the ones that are rolling in it, you yeah. know? They're the Scrooge McDucks diving yeah. into the, you know, coin pits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, if you're on both sides of it, like, how much are you really genuinely benefiting yeah. Probably a little bit. Yeah. But not you're not like cashing in, you know, gold for the most part, I don't think. Right. So I don't know. It's a discouraging time for first time buyers and trying to figure out what we can do, you know, as as a team specific or even as a division specific or just as a person specific has been really challenging. But I think you hit the nail on the head when it's just be, you know, communication, just be honest, have a conversation. This is what the market's like right now. This is what right. we can prepare for. And that's just the way it is. I mean, right. and, and the client, as long as you communicate with them and say, are you sure you want to go forward with this? Yep. Right. Okay. Then we've had the talk. So let's move on. Right. Let's go. Let's go find a house, you know? All right. So I want to talk to you going back to the, the remodeling thing yeah, yeah, yeah. and a very cliff notes, you know, very simplified matter. Say you take a lap through a, you have a, a listing appointment. You're going to be putting this house on the market. And you're, this is the first time you see it. You're meeting the, the homeowners. You just, you know, you're just getting a, a vibe for all of it. What would you say are three uh, things that you could look for that you could fix or remodel that would really not, you, you don't have to be an expert to do it, but it's just the little things that would kind of perk up that, that listing. What are three things you could look for? So I think a lot of times when you're walking through a place like that's been, that's been like severely dated that you can just tell hasn't, hasn't been touched, you know, and I think that's a How lot. How do you of, know? But what's, what's one of the first things that you know <clears throat> this has like windows or, or door handles? Uh, you know? Yeah, I mean, so windows, windows is, you can always usually generally tell with windows just because they've kind of come a long way. Um, and a lot of times, you know, windows that mm-hmm. have been put in 10 plus years ago or whatever, you know, we're not running into as many like just straight wood windows anymore, but they're still, you know, they've got broken seals. You can see the see the moisture in between the panes, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And that, that's not an incredibly expensive fix, um, but that's not something that I'm fixing necessarily. You know, that's a, that's definitely a thing that I'm pointing out and saying, you know, you probably want to call a glass company because they can come out. There's uh, there's a few different ways that they can fix that. You know, whether sure. it's not all straight replacement. Um, Paint is always an easy one. Like yeah. paint is always a crazy easy one, and a lot of times that comes with a little drywall repair. You know, you got you've got seam tape that's that's starting to pop off, or nicks and whatever. If you've had kids, or you know, whatever. I mean, that that kind of starts to get. A lot of it depends on the price threshold and how much a seller feels like they want or need to put into something. You know, because. Yeah, I mean, you paint, depending on the size of the house, like that starts to probably get into a little higher echelon. And like flooring is another one, like like carpet, you know, stuff like that. Like, can it just be clean? Like, can you just have it professionally clean? Like, that's right. usually that's usually manageable versus straight up replacement. Or does it need to be replaced? Um, you know, so we're, we're usually talking about stuff like that. Um, 
about like light fixtures or yeah i mean if you if you're still rocking like all the brass fixtures of the 90s mm -hmm. then yeah those probably need to go and i think even as part of that conversation though the conversation is with the seller in terms of what what are your expectations right like, right like if, if you're very reasonable on what you want to get out of this maybe there's not so much that you need to do because you're going to sell it at a price to where the buyer is willing to come in and do that kind of stuff totally. and make it more specific to their taste. Yeah. That's something that I always feel like I'm I'm trying to coach sellers on a little bit in terms of getting too specific. Yeah. Getting you know like making style choices that are that are too much that you may really like, but then you got all these buyers coming and you know, maybe they ain't into it. You know, I you know, showing a house one time that was just coppered out. I like copper. You know, I I've implemented copper into some of the signs that I've done. But I like a pop of copper copper. You know, I don't like I mean this was like copper paneling on the ceiling, like the backsplash was all copper. Wow. A lot of copper. Yeah. You know, and just like as soon as you walked into it, it's like you didn't know exactly what you were looking at. Like it, your eye was being drawn way too many directions and none of it was really all that appealing. Yeah. That seller might have loved it. Yeah. But no buyer was going to like that, mm -hmm. you know. And how much money did you just spend on all that, mm -hmm. you know. So I think that's, that's always something that, especially if you are getting it ready for sale. You know, there's one thing, there's one thing doing something that you like because you're going to live there for a while and you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. And then maybe you try to sell it and if nobody likes it, you know, whatever. Yeah. But doing it specific to sell is is a different conversation. Totally. You know, you want to stay you want to stay fairly neutral, mm -hmm. like, you know, and and be within trends of of what's going on, you know, right now what what you know, and you don't have to be I mean, everybody watches HGTV, I feel like, like, yeah. you know, we're not in Waco, Texas or, you know, we're not at least not like in the areas that I do a bunch of business, you know, we're not two chicks in a hammer, you know, like yeah. it's different knowing where you're at and knowing what people expect at a given price range. Yeah. And that's obviously where we come in, you know, and, and I think that's not even just where me as, you know, in this design realm and stuff comes in. Like that's a great skill set for just a realtor to have. Yeah. You know, like, and that was something that I felt like really played a big role in, in me and, and the way my business was able to grow was, you know, I, I left to become a realtor full time straight from a design job with, with Lowe's. Um, and I had been with Lowe's for five years or whatever, worked in just about every department that they had. Like, so knowledge of product, a knowledge of price of product, and, and and how things are installed and whatever and like, knowledge of clients yeah and being able to have those conversations all of that stuff good. like being able to point out and just say yeah you know and it goes the same way with buyers like when you're walking through and because what we don't know all we see are dollar signs and that's that's you know you know i I do a little bit of teaching now for for Keller Williams and you know I was talking with uh, some new agents just the other day and we were talking about how to handle inspection responses and how to handle reports and all that because inspections are always you know you see a report come back and you see the response come back from the buyer if you're on the seller side all you see are dollar signs you might have five items on there that grand total come out to be 600 bucks but you don't know that right so all you see is all your profit just flying out the window yeah. because you have no idea so us as agents it helps tremendously to be able to put a dollar sign on it like it might be expensive it might be but most of the time it's not as expensive as you think yeah you yeah. know even if it is expensive, you're expecting it to be more expensive. Always. Yeah. You know? So taking that uncertainty out of the equation has always been beneficial. Yeah. And being able to do that from the jump, whether that's during a listing appointment or whether that's during a showing, decide, you know, depending on which side of the table you're on, you're setting the right expectations from the jump. And nobody's surprised when stuff comes up, you yeah. know? And I think... Really, that's a big part of, you know, 
what I've been able to establish in my business specifically is lack of surprises. You know, um, have we hit the nail on the head every time? Of course not. Who does? You know, and we've fallen flat on our face plenty of times, but the percentage is in our favor. Yeah. You know, and I mean, if you're batting above, you know, 500, I think you're probably doing pretty well. Well, and you say lack of surprises, and another person would say preparation. Yeah. Right? That's you, fair. Just, you just try to yeah. be as prepared for yeah. it as you can. You That's what Peyton always said, right? Yeah. I mean, nobody was ever going to out prepare. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was, uh, yeah. I mean, most things in my life, in some fashion or whatever, always kind of flow back to the same stream, which is a sports related whatever. Mm-hmm. And. That was something that, yeah, you know, growing up watching a guy like Peyton Manning or, or whatever, every every press conference, everything that he ever talked about was practice. Yep. Being prepared. Being prepared. Making sure that nobody's working harder than you are. Mm-hmm. Like, all of those kind of things that are just, they're just fundamental. Like, they're just, they are, they are building blocks. And everything that I've done has been, has been a result of that, just continuing to build upon what I already know and trying to make sure that I have something of value to offer anybody. Because I don't expect anybody to give me anything. Right. You know, like what, there are a thousand realtors who are probably more qualified than I am. Yeah. Like, you know, and I, I, I have no qualms with that. Like, yeah. we are surrounded by a lot of really impressive professionals. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we really are. And thankfully, you know, through, through my growing relationship with MyVor over the last few years, I've had even more opportunity to get to know even more of those people. Um, and I, net, I mean, <laughs> I don't belong in the room with half of them. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I don't from, yeah. from plenty of perspectives. Yeah. You know, so what can I do for these, you know, behemoths? What can I do to offer some kind of value to them? Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and so I think that goes in, in all walks, you know, whether that's to a client that I'm trying to get to cut me a check or an agent that's working on the other side of the table from me or even just in a professional setting like like this, like the stuff that we do here. What can I bring in that maybe somebody else doesn't have as much experience or, or even just doesn't have the same insight or doesn't have just the same opinion? Yeah. Whatever it is, like, you never go to a party empty-handed, you know? Right. Like, I might just be bringing... Contribute something. I might just be bringing the ice. Yeah. But I'm going to keep your, I'm gonna keep your <laughs> drinks cold, cold, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You and that's just what that. it is. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm not the grill master, I'm not what you came here for. Yeah. But, you know, we're going to keep your drinks cold. There you, go. you know, so we'll figure it out. All right, everyone. We're going to take a quick break to hear from the MyBoar updates. Hello, everyone. I am Jamie Barb, and welcome to the MyBoar update. We are serious about fair housing, and you should be too. Join us on June 23rd from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. for our next virtual event, The Way Home, a fair housing training with Paula Montoffer. In this course, we will examine our own bias and leave with a plan to ensure fair treatment for all. As a bonus, this training will count as three CE credits. For more information and to register, visit MyBoar.com. MyBoar is a member-driven organization. This October, voting will begin to elect new MyBoar Board of Directors for District 1, District 3, and affiliates. Are you a visionary leader who will work to ensure that MyBoar continues to empower members and strengthen the marketplace? Those wishing to run for an open seat should complete a director candidate profile sheet by June 28, 2021. For more information, visit myboard.com forward slash elections. Beginning this July, technology training classes for MyBoard will be available both in person and virtually. Take advantage of this membership benefit today and visit myboard.com forward slash tech trainings for more information. If you've been a MyBoard member for at least two years and are ready to become a leader, then REAL is the perfect opportunity for you. The Real Estate Academy of Leadership program is taking place for the 2021-2022 class year and applications are open until June 30th. To learn more and apply, visit myboard.com forward slash REAL. 
Save the date for Realtor Action Day, or RAD, on July 16th. RAD was created to provide MyBoard Realtor members the opportunity to give back to their communities through placemaking and quality of life projects and to help encourage volunteerism across the MyBoard region. On RAD, Realtors will volunteer at nine different locations, making a notable and combined impact within our communities. Stay tuned for your opportunity to plug in on this project. Join us July 23rd for License to Thrill, a party for the Realtor Foundation at Silo Auto Club. Grab your black sunglasses and have your martini shaken, not stirred, with this James Bond-inspired night of fun and networking to benefit the Foundation's mission. More information and tickets available at realtorfoundation.org. And that's all today on your MyBoard Update. And now, back to our interview with Tyler Hankins. So I want to go back to, uh, to your time at Lowe's. Um, now, I'm no mathematician, but if you did five years at Lowe's, you've been in this industry for five years. There was a little overlap. Well, then I can safely assume yeah. that you were a kid when you started at Lowe's. You were probably uh, 20. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. So, um, yeah, that's fair. Tell me about, from a 20-year-old, uh, and I, you know, I don't know Tyler Hankins at, at 20 years old, but... I'm guessing you're just like any other 20-year-old. You're just trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life. You're trying to put some money in your pocket. What did that experience at Lowe's uh, teach you about your eventual career? And, and you said something about preparation. And I have a theory that when you're a realtor, you've been preparing to be a realtor your whole life. You just didn't know yeah. it at the time. Whether it was talking to people or whether it was about selling things right. or, or just being that, that figure... I feel like a good realtor has been, prepare, been preparing a realtor their whole lives until they just get licensed to do it. So I, I really want to know, you're 20 years old, some other 20-year-old is working at Blockbuster Video down the, down the street, right. you know, another person's working at Target, you just happen to work yeah. at Lowe's. What did that, your naivety and, and just, you know, what did that really teach you? I mean, so my, my employment history, especially before Lowe's, is, I mean, it's quite long. Um, I have had a lot of different gigs in a lot of different industries. Um, and I think a big part of that was I never really, I never really liked to stay in one place too long. Like, you know, I, I, I did the radio thing for a long time, I guess. What'd you um, do on the radio? Uh, so I started my junior year. I started, I interned at the local radio station in town and at WSVX in Shelbyville, um, Started off just kind of doing uh, you know news stories for them, like covering you know uh, like local government meetings and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and then that all kind of progressed. Started doing some like kind of like kind of comedy bits a little bit, you know sure. that kind of thing for them. Um, and then a buddy and me, they gave us a, a weekly a weekly show. We called it the Friday Night Takeover. We were uh, we were still I think our senior year in high school. We did it the whole year. Um, we had sponsors in town, like we always brought in guests, you know, from, from school. It was a it was a crazy interactive thing and, and really the town town got behind it pretty well. And then football came back around and they moved us to Saturday mornings and we still did pretty well but we lost a little bit of our luster. Um, mainly because I'm not good at starting at six o'clock in the morning. You know, that's <laughs> right, not, that's right. not, that ain't my thing. No, but no. anyway, we progressed. I became a Monday through Friday. Uh, DJ for them. Um, I did the evening shift for for a while, and then I was doing play by play for girls varsity basketball. Um, I actually came back and did that a couple of different times. Uh, but beyond that, like I've just I've done a lot of short stints at a lot of places. Um, and you know, as far as the lowest thing goes, my uh, my girlfriend then wife now uh, started her master's program at IUPUC. Um, she wanted to move down to Columbus. I had just moved home from Bloomington and was like, I need to move out again. You know, I, you know, <laughs> I hear you. yeah, I love, no more. love my parents, but you know, yeah. I, once you taste that life, yeah. going back is no. just not, not very, yeah, no, no it doesn't, work. doesn't, it doesn't sit well. No. Um, so anyway, I mean, it was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll move to Columbus. Um, and love Columbus. Uh, it, uh, I I love Columbus to this day. Um, That's awesome. I would move to Columbus tomorrow. It's great, you know, if I could. But um, so, honestly, a huge part of the Lowe's thing was the dress code 
I loved it. Like, all you had to do was wear a vest. <laughs> you wear that you red know? vest? You can wear whatever you want. Hey, you know? man, whatever. I went from crack. I was at, I was actually uh, I was serving at Cracker Barrel right before I started at Lowe's, you know, where, you know, you have to press your shirts and you got to iron them and you got to wear, you know, all this. It's like, it was more work to actually, like, <laughs> get ready to go to work than it was to work. I hear you know, I hated that. Yeah. And that's funny. So I went to Lowe's and it was just, it was much more low key in that regard and just kind of allowed me to be more of myself. Started off, you know, as a, as a cashier, um, but progressed pretty, pretty quickly. Um, I think it just kind of, it started to make sense. Like everything, you know, even, even then when I had no intention on being there for, I was finishing up my uh, bachelor's. I finished it up in that that year I started I think in 2015, um, which coincidentally is the same year that I got licensed. I just got my bachelor's, didn't know exactly what I was going to do. Had started to think that you know maybe the real estate side of things could could be good. You know I had no idea that it would turn into what it turned into, but um, so started my real estate course while I was still working there at Lowe's. You know you know reading on my lunch breaks and and whatever and. Uh, but the lowest thing just made sense, like the the job in and of itself, like I was able to pick up the product really fast. My dad was a custom cabinet builder growing up, like I had, so it's not like I never had any, you know, exposure to that, that, that realm, um, and cabinets and kitchens has always kind of been my, my specialty, um, even now, like with the design stuff, like it's really where I can knock it out of the park, like I can do that stuff all day, every day, um, but... I had to, you know, go through the motions, and, and, and corporate life isn't necessarily my strong suit, you know, I've always kind of pushed that envelope, which is why maybe some of my stints haven't always been crazy long, because once you start to kind of feel the walls come in on you, you know, I just, I wasn't, and I couldn't do that, you know, I'm not. You didn't want to be a part of a Lowe's family? I'm not a company <laughs> man, like, you know, yeah. I've never been accused of being a company man, yeah. you know, and, um. And that, and that still goes, you know, still rings true today, really, for the most part. You know, I've really appreciate it. You know, I love Keller Williams. Um, they've been a great fit for me, you know, but the ability to be my own thing yeah, was really what drew me to them to begin with. Um, and the same thing with Lowe's, you know, and I just, it's one of those things where I think my numbers were always good enough, especially once I got into a sales specialist role where really that's what matters is how much money are you bringing into the store that I was able to get away with some, you know. Well, like, and at that point, you're not just following a script and punching in a cashier. You're learning. You're building a, a, a trade. You're yeah, building a skill. Yeah. You're, you're, it's actually you're getting, it's fulfilling and, in a professional and it was such, way. You know, it was such little stuff that I like, you know, like, you know, I didn't wear my vest. You know, just those little, those little acts of rebellion that they let me get away with for a while just because it made sense for them to keep me around, you know. Yeah. Like, they'd tell me, but they wouldn't, like, make me, you know, that sort of thing, and was able to, especially once I got into cabinets, you know, then you're able to go out of the store. Like, loved that part. Um, being able to, my day didn't look the same all the time, you know. I was going out to do measures here, there, cool. wherever, went as far south as, like, Nashville and, you know, as far north as maybe, like, Franklin or even into Shelby County a little bit. Um, but what, what I always loved and what really translated into doing what I'm doing, like, right now was the progress, like seeing something that I had, you know, I have way more of a role in it now than I did then even, but, you know, I played a role in seeing this, you know, whatever, this space that wasn't what it could be turned into that. Yeah. has always been incredibly rewarding. So let me ask you something. Why, why are you a realtor? Why aren't you just a carpenter? Why aren't you just a contractor? I don't think I could ever stop being a realtor. I think it's become a big part of who I am. Um, you know, and I don't know if that's like a, you know, not to get too deep or philosophical because that ain't really my bag, but, you know, we have, I think, as a whole, always kind of identified or been identified by our trade. Mm -hmm. You know, this is Tyler, he's a whatever, you know, that's generally speaking one of the first two or three things that you hear about somebody is what they do for what do you a do? living. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, so, and... I don't know. I just, this industry has done an incredible amount for me. Um, and, and I think for me personally, and, and, and maybe that's part of it, like, 
and even getting away from the do I can I ever see myself like maybe taking more of a backseat on the buying and selling like the actual like nuts and bolts of it probably at some point in the game I can see that happening but if I ever do that I, I do firmly believe it would be to kind of transition into more of a leadership com, you know community building industry building mm -hmm. role yeah because um, I just love it I mean and what it's been able to provide me, I can never pay back, but I definitely want to try. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, so it's that kind of thing. Because um, it's, I mean, is there, is there drags of it? There's drags to everything. Totally. There's, there's no career in the world that there isn't some aspect of it that you're not going to wish was different. Yeah. That's always going to be the case. Yeah. You know? And really, this design and, and contracting and all that that I've gotten into, I always saw it as, you know, two, two halves of one whole, like in a perfect world, they do go together yeah. very well. Yeah. To me, it just goes into that one stop shop. And I think, I think maybe the market right now is a little harder for them to like really truly play ball together. Cause most sellers don't feel like they have to do an abundance, and the market is telling telling them that. And most buyers are spending way too much to get into the house to have you know all this income to just immediately pour into it. Yeah. So. But it's it's important. It's important knowledge that right now isn't normal, so we shouldn't adjust yeah. to this being a normal way of running things. Right. right? Exactly. You yeah. Know? No, we're just. We're going through the motions. Yeah. We're doing what we would do any other day. Yeah. And we're making it work for, and then as things start to shift or whatever, we'll adjust. Yeah. It's what we've always done, you know, no matter what we're doing. So, um, I see hashtag not your father's realtor. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, elaborate. What's the philosophy of that? What, what do you... If I'm just some Joe Schmo and I see that hashtag yeah. and I see you, what what am I supposed to what am I supposed to well, react I think, to that? I honestly think a big part of it when it first came about was kind of visual. You know, I had the beard before. You know, maybe it became quite as mainstream as the beard has become now. Um, actually, one of the first brokerages that I worked for. That was a big reason why I didn't work out with them. They didn't like it. Um, you know, had. Isn't that weird? Told me I look like a terrorist, you know, the very first time. You know, it's, it's like, so weird that it's like right. you can't be in this because you have facial hair. Like that's yeah. such a weird. Like where's the connect on that? It's just one of those things where I think a big part of the old. Maybe it's. I think it's primarily the old school way of thinking. But maybe it's. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm still a little bit more outside the box, and maybe I should be. I don't know, but I do think. I do think, in my opinion anyway, professionalism is about your mannerisms. Like, it's professionalism is how you treat everybody that's involved in a particular deal with you or whatever. It's not professionalism what? is just, it's, it's your demeanor, it's your, it's your output. behavior, it's, it's all of these things. Now, am I rolling into closing in a bathrobe and, and slippers? Right. No. Right. But... Am I in there wearing a hat and clothes that I would wear just about anywhere? Probably. Yeah. Like, you know, the suit and tie thing is, I mean, you can't even tell if I'm wearing a tie most of the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I do think that's at its rawest form. The not your father's realtor. I think a lot of it really came from that. Like, well, and you you have a rebellious vibe to you. I mean, literally <laughs> at the very beginning when I said, "Why are you a Knicks fan?" It was basically because it was like not cool to be a Knicks fan. So right. I wanted to go go down that path. It's the it's the path less traveled. I want to see yeah. what it's like doing. And that. I know why it's less traveled. You made a you made a lifestyle of it. Yeah, I got a lot of glass on my foot from being a Knicks fan for <laughs> twenty years. Yeah. But uh, as far as the is actually my father-in-law is the first one that said it. I was I posted a picture of a closing I had, you know, on some pink shorts and a and a hat and you know, it was just, you know, very casual or whatever and you know, that's he's the first one that said it, like not your father's realtor. It's like that's kind of catchy, you know. I, I like that. And then the more the more I dwelled on it, the more it became deeper, you know, like you know, my parents are one of those late bloomers, you know, in terms of home ownership. You know, we bounced around a lot. 
uh, growing up, basically year lease to year lease to year lease, you know, we, we lived in a lot of different places. I think I went to basically every school that Shelbyville has to offer, um, and, and whatever. So, we, you know, we always stayed in town, but we, you know, we were hopping and, uh, they finally bought a house when I was, I was in middle school range. So like 13, 14, somewhere in that age range. And, they they bought a house and they used a, a realtor there in town. He's since passed, but uh, was actually you know related by marriage somewhere along the line. So, but somebody that they helped and felt like maybe had their best interest in mind when they were going through this, something that they've never done before, and and all of that. And they since have you know it's become abundantly clear the longer that we you know it didn't take all that long. But, you know, it just became abundantly clear that that wasn't, their best interests weren't the interest in mine. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was how do we get them to sign? Yep. You know, what, regardless of whether this is the just house. Seeing them they, as a number. Yeah. Yep. I want this commission. How do I get this commission? How do we get there as soon as possible? And I think that transaction really dwelled a lot when I started getting into, you know, really any sales gig in particular, never felt, I, I operate, I kind of operate by a golden rule of if I don't feel, if I don't want somebody advertising to me that way, I don't advertise that way. Sure. You know, so again, not to cast aspersions on anybody who does, but you know, I've never done any cold calls, never done any door knocking, never done any of the stuff that to me, I don't enjoy. I don't want anybody coming and knocking on my door unannounced. Like that's just who I am. It's just what I, you know, I don't I'm not into it. So don't do it. Like I'm not going to do it, yeah. you know. Never going to do to somebody else what I wouldn't want somebody to do to me. Yeah. Um and just this overall aspect of understanding that this isn't my house. This isn't my money. I'm here to be a resource. This isn't my transaction. I'm here to help. Um, I'm here to be, you know, a therapist sometimes it feels like I'm here to be, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever you need to get where you want to go, but I'm not going to determine that destination for you. Right. Right. And mm -hmm. the not your father's realtor, I think is really, it's really caught on and it's, it's really become kind of who we are um you know I, i've added another agent to to our team over the last year and and instilling those values in him has been you know i think really drove it home even more like do you have a strict dress code in the night <laughs> yeah 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 you gotta wear shoes you hypocrite yeah, you, oh, you gotta, gotta wear, wear shoes, shoes. Yeah. Oh, man. yeah we're not leaving our shoes by the door at, <laughs> at, at th property group but uh i just think and I know a lot of great realtors that don't need a you know don't need a catchy tagline like that or whatever to to know that that's yeah. what they believe in. Um, and I I'd like to think that that is where we're heading as an industry is is just being truly not just in not just in words you know not just as a as a gimmick or whatever, but truly believing like in the service side of things, that that is what we are here to do. Um, and that's, you know, that's our saving grace, in my personal opinion, you know, because just from, you know, a tech side, from a convenience side, from, you know, some, if you want to really try to map out all the other aspects of what somebody may look for a real estate professional for, we're going to have a hard time competing. In, in a lot of these different realms. But what no giant anywhere else in the country should ever be able to compete with us on is individual service. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing that we should always be able to do better. Mm -hmm. And as long as we continue to feed that bucket, like that should be, that should be where we can hopefully continue to grow not even just sustain like hopefully that's where we you know we can continue to, to grow and flourish as an industry as a local industry um it has to be that yeah it has to be that because it's the only thing that we can do better like you know 
we can use all the tools that are available to us from other places, you know, just like anybody else. Yeah. You know, and like the days of us being the source of listings and stuff like that, I don't know if I ever saw them. Sure. You know, yeah. like, you know, if we're all being real about it, I think that was long gone a long time ago. Yeah. So pretending otherwise does nobody any good. Right. And trying to boot anybody else out or what, I mean, that's, that, that's all long gone too. Yeah. They're here. Yeah. Anybody that you don't want to be here, they're already here. Yeah. They're sitting on the sofa. Like their shoes are off. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're comfy. Totally. They made themselves at home. Yeah. So and they're, not, they're not leaving either. Complaining about that or worrying about that or any of that is just unproductive. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that, there's no, there's nothing good that's going to come out of that. There's no, there's no way that you're going to shift that tide. So the only thing that, only thing that we can do as, as real estate professionals, and this is just in my estimation, you know, again, I'm, you know, I'm not some great world thinker or whatever, but what we try to do and what I try to do specifically is make sure that everybody that takes the time to call us and puts their faith in us knows that we truly 1000% have their back. Whether we're looking for a week, a month, a year, never gonna, I'm never going to pressure you into anything. Mm -hmm. That's not me. That's not my... And I, I, I mean, I, I tell I tell Jordan that from time to time, like you know, when you're talking to to clients, make sure that they understand, like we are never going to spend your money for you. That's not what you're paying. You're not, you know, depending on which side of the table you're on the ball, ball. You know, that's all semantics and how you want to describe stuff. But our paycheck comes from being a support mm -hmm. system. Yeah, that's what we get paid to do. I don't get paid to sell a house in my estimation. I get paid to walk you through the complicated process that is buying a house. Mm -hmm. I didn't buy that house. I didn't take out that loan. I'm not going to be the one up keeping it for the next however long you have it. Yeah. So I'm not going to tell you how you should handle any of that. Mm -hmm. Happy to give you my opinion on this, that, the other if you ask for it. But I'm never going to force that upon anybody and I just think when when you really just dive into what does what does it mean when you say not your father's realtor I think there's a stigma you know there's the whole used car salesman there's the whole like do you really care what happens to me after we sign at the closing table yeah like does that even really matter and it does to us you know, it does. Um, and I stay in touch with everybody every year. You know, we do client appreciation events um, where, you know, people that bought a house from me five years ago that I haven't heard from since, they always get an invite, you know, that kind of thing. Like, we don't forget about anybody because you have <laughs> more choices than anybody knows what to do with on how to buy a house. Right. You know, there's no shortage of places that you can go to do that and you picked us so that means something yeah and I think that is kind of the underlying truth of it all is if you don't have that real genuine appreciation it shows it's not that hard to tell who is just here for the paycheck and who actually like understands that on a deeper level this meant something. Mm -hmm. You know, it's easy to forget when you've sold 50, 100, 200 and on houses. It's easy for them to start to bleed together. But for the person who bought that house, that was a very monumental thing. Yeah. That meant something. Yeah. And you were able to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And if you don't really stop to take that in, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There, there's a pay. We don't only get paid in dollars. I mean, obviously we need those. And that's, at the end of the day, why we all do what we do every day, you know, to keep the lights on. We've got families to support. we got stuff that we want to buy, stuff that we want to do. So without it, it you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, so that matters. But 
it's so much more rewarding if you don't let that be the only means of payment. Sure. You know, so. So I'm going to go ahead and just simplify this whole thing for you. Knicks make a run at it. <laughs> They're in the finals. Who do they beat in the finals, and how many games does it take to, to beat? <laughs> you mean this year? This year. They're going to have a postseason, right? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're, so uh, we're just going to fast forward. <laughs> they're, they're in the finals. They ran through the East. Who are they playing against, and how many games does it take to, to close uh, the deal? I'll tell you what, man. If they made it. <laughs> would love it. Would love to say the Suns. Like, I do feel like if I had to root for a team in the West, they're just fun to watch. Um the Jazz, the Jazz are too. Um, if I had to pick one of those two, I think Donovan Mitchell is supposed to come back. I take the Jazz. I take the Jazz. So, if it, how many games to lock it up for the Knicks to beat the Jazz? They've had some good games this year. I. That's actually where this season really started for me. The Knicks were like five and three, I think, early, early, early. And they were playing the Jazz, and they were down big. And it was like, okay, so this is just like any other Knicks year, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. they, beat, they beat the teams that, you know, are probably close to their, you know, their yeah. skill. You know, they started off the year with a win against the Pacers and, and whatever, you know, in that eh range of teams. Like, they might win 30 games. And, but that game against the Jazz, they're down big. And then they, they've, they've stormed back, and they win that game. And it made me feel confident enough. I think that that night I put a hundred dollars on the Knicks to make the playoffs. Um, nice. Yeah, they were like seven to one at that point. Yeah. And uh, but that was the game. That's like okay, this is different. Mm-hmm. That's different. Yep. Because for the last ten years they you would have rolled over. Yeah. You would have gotten beat by thirty. Like yep. you would have quit trying. Yep. Basically, since Melo's left, that's been their thing. So it felt different. I don't see it going any. If it's a Knicks Jazz playoff series, final series, that's insane right off the bat. And you can get great odds on that right now. You can make a killing if you wanted to bet on that to be the finals. Um, I would say it goes at least six. Mm-hmm. I'd say it goes at least six. Like The Jazz play a really inspiring brand, too. Like Everybody touches the ball every time down. Like... I mean, it doesn't matter. Every night it seems like it's somebody different. You know, Bohan uh, Bogdanovich mm-hmm. just went off for 50 the other night, you know, but the Pacers miss him. And, you know, you got Joe Ingles. You just got a bunch of dudes on that team that don't even really necessarily look like they should be professional basketball players, you know, but they are. They're fighting. And they are, yeah. 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 So. so in six games, the Knicks win a, win a title? <laughs> oh, That's what you're calling right now? Don't, uh, yeah, don't tease me. <laughs> I tell you what, this this season really has been, it's been a joy, you know, from somebody who has watched them really stink up the joint for a long time now. Like, you know, and I am generally speaking one of the only Knicks fans that a lot of people know around here. Yeah. So this year has been, you know, I've gotten flooded with, yeah, you know, every time a, a good Nick story comes up, or I, I think of you immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's been fun in and of its own, right? Yeah, you totally. know? And but it's all gonna work out. All the people are gonna fulfill their yeah. roles, and we're gonna go, and they're gonna beat the Jazz in six games. Tyler Hankins is calling you <laughs> right now. Tyler, not your father's realtor, Hankins. Thanks for being on here, man. Hey, buddy, it was a blast. <laughs>